Welcome to the British Sports Car Podcast. Join me, Sarah, and Nick, our resident sports car expert, as we bring you all the latest news from the top tiers of British motorsport, including British GT, GT Cup and Brick Car, as well as British motorsport interests from around the world. British GT News. Hello and welcome to From the Racetrack from Brands Hatch in 2023, the Sunday edition. So it was race day and what a thrilling race it was. I mean, action from the first corner to the last, well, penultimate lap. It was pretty amazing. My name's Nick Smith. I'm one of the two hosts of the British Sports Car Podcast. Sarah is away in Copenhagen, so not with us uh, today. But she has been live blogging the race, so if you want to see a blow-by-blow of what happened, you can go there and see Sarah's Sarah's words and her contributions to the coverage. With the From the Racetracks, we cover the action in a little bit. We'll talk about a couple of bits, but really it's the results show. And for this one... We'll be talking about who is still in contention for the various championships. So, without further ado, let's take a look at the results list. Now, winner of the race in a absolutely epic move by Dan Harper. Um, made use of GT4 traffic around the back of the circuit, Hawthorns, and out to, out to Westfield. Um, made great use of traffic there to get past Ross Gunn in the Beach Dean Aston Martin. So Darren Leung and Dan Harper took their second win of the season in the Century Motorsport BMW M4 GT3. The team, along with its GT4 component, took Team of the Weekend as well. Uh, they finished in 2 hours, 1 minute and 24.711 seconds. Now... It was almost a case of lightning striking twice. Dan got to the line with about two and a half to three seconds to spare before the flag went out. And obviously at Snetterton, we ended up racing half a lap too far because they got to the flag so close. (laughs) What a race. It it was epic to watch. It must have been exciting in places and terrifying other places to be in. Yeah, exactly it was. Um, you know, especially the move uh, on Ross then in the end. Um, of course, it was terrifying in a way, but I knew it had to be done. And uh, I knew that it, it's not easy to pass at Brands Hatch, especially around the back. Um, but I, I seen the opportunity with a GT4. It, it made him slow down at the apex of Hawthorns. Um, so I set myself up and really got on par early, tried to cut underneath. And uh, fair play to Ross because he, he gave me the space. He could have squeezed me harder onto the grass. Um, but he raced fair and um, it was aggressive, but it, it needed to be done. And uh, gave you a little tap back after you got through, though, didn't he? He did. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, into into the next uh, Westfield, I think it is. Um, I, I really I knew that he would try and then get a, a an undercut on me coming out. 
Um, so I really like stopped it on the apex to make sure he couldn't, and that's maybe when the tap came. So it was uh, really hard, but fair racing. So um. you are in one way a very lucky man, because if they'd have built the M3 Touring as a GT3 car, it would not have fit into that gap. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. So uh, yeah, thanks to BMW for that one. They chose the right car. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, coming in from, from FP1, um, we were a bit off the pace. We weren't quite happy with uh, the balance in the car, so we weren't quite sure where we were going to be. Um, and then we made some changes for FP2, and thankfully it worked in the right way. And, um, and then qualifying, both Darren and I did a good job to get us up front. Um, I mean, to be honest, without the, the safety cars, James, uh, did a, a brilliant job. He, he was faster all weekend, um, as he has been most weekends. Um, he pulled the gap, and fortunately for us, the safety car came at the right time. Um, that made us get ahead in the pits. Um, so it all it worked in our favour. But then we had to capitalise fully on it, and um, I was happy to do it. So thanks to the the team and to, to BMW. Yeah. And then Darren had to execute when, uh, as well. So Absolutely. just astonishing. Yeah. Um, the talk, all the talk in the build-up to the race has been about it being a long shot that Johnny and James could do it this weekend. The talk for the next month is going to be it's a long shot for you guys because behind on points and you've got 20 seconds. What can you do between now and, and the Donington Decider, which still is a Donington Decider. Thank you for keeping the, keeping the fight alive. But what can you do between now and then to maximise your chances of, of success? Yeah, I mean, we, we kept it alive and uh, made it, like you say, kept it a, a Donington decider. Um, we are on the back foot and the points and also the, the penalty in the pits, like you say. Um, but in a way, with them finishing third, it kept the points gap a bit more open. Uh, but it also means that our, our penalty in the pits to them is cut in half. Um, so we can look at that in a positive way. Um, because, I mean, obviously you want to be as close as you can on points, but... I think and at Donington with safety cars, we're, we're going quite often there in the past. Um, anything could happen and we just need one at the right time. And um, yeah, pressure's on them to, to stay clean and uh, we're obviously just going to have to go all, all out and, and go for it. Uh, we need to finish ahead of them by however many positions it'll be. Um, we need to work that out, but that's tomorrow's job. Uh, when you were fighting with Ross, by the way, was there ever the temptation to say, well, the yellow one's behind us. I'll just hold. No, I mean, I needed. I knew I needed to get the win, and um, <laughs> I knew, I knew that one position, of course, finishing ahead of them kept it alive. But I mean, now I was just full focus on getting getting past Ross. And when I was there, and we before we caught the the GT fours, it was we were so even on pace. I didn't really think I was gonna have him. Um, I thought I'd be able to stick with him, but because how difficult it is uh, to pass here, I thought it's going to be difficult. But yeah, the GT4s came in, and then I found the opportunity and uh, just went for it. Wasn't it the 22 that gave you the gap? Uh, Wasn't it the one of the one of the Century GT4s? Could have been, yeah. So <laughs> teamwork yeah, makes the dream work. Anyway, congratulations to you, to to Darren, to the entire team, and uh, look forward to seeing you in the fight. At Second place then was the Beach Dean Motorsport Aston Martin of Andrew Howard and Ross Gunn. They were 1.055 seconds behind at the end of the race with James Cottingham and Johnny Adams 2Cs Motorsport Mercedes AMG GT3 Evo, the number four car in third place. 
The number one car, the second of the two Seas Motorsport cars, came next, fourth place in both GT3 and in GT3 Pro-Am. That's Ian Loggy and Jules Gounon, ahead of Barwell Motorsport's Sandy Mitchell and Sean Balfe, the number 78 Lamborghini Huracan GT3 Evo. Next up is the winner in the Silver Am class, and this is DriveTac with Chris Hart and James Wallace. Um, started the season in a GT4 car and have just claimed victory in the Silver Am class. So massive congratulations to them. What we're going to do now is listen to what the guys had to say to me about their experiences immediately after the race. So, GT3 Silver race winners. Not bad for somebody that turned up with a GT4 car to the first round, is it? Oh, well, that wasn't, I was in the GT4, but yeah, no, not bad. I mean, well, the pair of you. wouldn't have said we'd, uh, we'd have ended up where we were. I made a uh, school by arrow at the beginning, uh, went round the GP loop on the outlap to the grid, which so the game was one stop goal penalty. And then uh, I let go of the speed limit button too soon and um, they gave us another. So I think without that, we'd have been in the hunt for the for the front of it. Or, you know, we'd have been somewhere there, which is a shame for James. So, but um, pace was good. But I say, what a result given where you started the season. Yeah, I know. I mean, obviously we had a decent first round at Silverstone, but from there on it went kind of downhill, didn't it? And uh, to be on the top set finally, I mean, the time's finally come. And yeah, I mean, it was... It's a bit of a chaotic drive to say the least. I mean, but we're getting there slowly, and uh, hopefully we can continue this like success on to the next round at Donington. What was it like out there? Because it's been very hot all weekend, so it's very hard on machinery, very very hard on drivers, and then safety cars. We had three of them, and cars off all over the place. What was the thoughts as you came around the first corner? <laughs> um, in the first corner, we were we were seriously lucky. Um, I didn't actually even see. I just got a, a hit. Obviously, somebody else got hit before they hit me we managed to get around the melee at the first lap but um, yeah we were lucky to get past that really um, you just got to keep going in these things anything can happen I mean looking at Callum he, he ran out of fuel two laps from the end you just got to keep pushing all the way yeah it was really two years on the trot and Mercedes has run out of fuel two yeah. laps from the end yeah yeah well I don't, yeah so well but, you know hard luck to them but their loss was our, uh, our gain so we'll take that well you've got to execute everything to win in this championship haven't you so Second stint then, how was that? Nowhere near as dramatic as the uh, the first lap. Well, it was interesting because obviously I had quite a bit of a gap um, and then the safety car kind of came out straight away uh, and I had like the nice gap and then it all kind of bunched up again and then I thought I had a puncture at one point but it ended up just being pick up on the tyre so I struggled to, with the pace initially to get going but eventually the kind of pace found but it's a pretty lonely race to run as the only cars I was overtaking were GT4s. And then I found out uh, the guy in front of us had an issue with a puncture, so I just had to bring it home and be careful, so yeah. So, we, I have said, you started off in the GT4 car, you're now in the GT3. What's the differences? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Chris's glasses have just got ripped off. I thought I got away with no damage at this race, but unfortunately <laughs> the glasses have just taken it. <laughs> this is why you don't buy expensive sunglasses. <laughs> Oh. I put them on there, but it's part of it. <laughs> I'll lose the sunglasses and keep the win. What was the question again? So the question was differences between the GT4 and the GT3. I think the GT4 is kind of a, easy, a harder car to actually drive around this track. The GT3 is easier to fundamentally put a lap together, but just to get those like final, the final margins in the GT3 with all the factory drivers is unreal. So 
I mean, we struggled this weekend. Initially, we were on the back foot a bit. With We haven't tested since Portimao, which is a month and a half ago. So without the testing on the Friday as well, it was actually quite hard for us to kind of utilise the time and kind of find the time initially with two sessions because you can't do data between, otherwise you just lose the time. So we were kind of learning all the way through. And like through the stints, I was still learning the kind of the track, the car and round here. And I mean, I, may, I feel like I made progress, but there's still more in me. And hopefully we kind of discover that at Donington. On to Donington. Donington decider is it his only one championship has been taken so far. You've got that Thursday test. You've also got the experience of having raced there earlier in the year. What can you do next time out? Can you push for the top step? Um, look, I think we, everything's been down. We've either had damage or today silly mistakes. I think, like James said, look, we just we've had the pace at all the races. We've just got to hook it all together now. A lot of silly, you know, silly mistakes. Um, but it's time to hook it together and hopefully, yeah, we can be on the overall maybe next time. Looking forward to Donington? Yeah, I definitely think it's mine and Chris's probably stronger tracks. We've done it quite frequently and we've been, we were strong there last time, in last time, but we obviously had the engine suffering on Saturday's qualifying, so we started from the back. And we actually got up to first in Silver Am. And then, yeah, we did, yeah. A little bit of a bonnet issue. And the boys did an amazing <laughs> job. And then, unfortunately, Chris hit our deepest rival, Will Tregurther <laughs> and Mark Sansom, which ended up with a bonnet flying up. And if you don't knock, race. how are they supposed to open the door? <laughs> that's right, yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Robin's racing, eh? Do you have a touring car history? <laughs> no. He did, this, he, did, he did this with me last year in GT Cup. <laughs> <laughs> so. And then on to the next year, coming back for a tilt at the championship, or? I don't know, don't options, know options are open at the moment, so we'll decide. I mean, if the last round goes pretty well, then yeah, we might continue our progress and hopefully overall championship next year. Maybe Fantastic. Thank you very much, gents. Congratulations on, on winning the class. Thank you. Thank you very much. Enjoy Thank those big much. bottles of, of bubbles. Yeah, yeah. Eighth place went to Barwell Motorsport, Mark Samson and Will Tregurtha sharing the driving aboard the 72 Lamborghini Huracan GT3 Evo 2 ahead of Paddock Motorsport. This was Mark Smith and Martin Plowman. Paddock Motorsport's um, bad weekend got even worse. The car actually finished sixth but took a five place, um, five place penalty as a 10 second stop go penalty was converted to a 40 second post race time penalty for causing a collision with a GT4 car. I believe that was the number 80, but I'm not 100% certain. Moving on to 10th place in GT3, the number 93 car. This is this guy Tempesta Racing McLaren 720S GT3 Evo of Kevin Say and Chris Froggart. They took second in Silver Am, ahead of Silver Am rivals, the number 42, Race Lab 1, uh, Race Lab Run even, I'll get my words out straight. Um, Ian Campbell and James Kell driven McLaren as well. And then Greystone GT's Mercedes, the AMG GT3 Evo, which topped a pre-practice session yesterday. Their race weekend was going pretty darn well all the way up to the penultimate lap when they ran out of petrol. Um, so they finished in 8th place in GT3 Pro-Am, last of the classified GT3 cars, 12th place overall. Um, that's Mike Price and Callum McLeod. Moves us on to the GT4 entries, and the winner of GT4 overall was the number 61 car. This is Academy Motorsports Ford Mustang 
GT4, the Eric Evans and Matt Cowley driven machine. They finished ahead of R Racing's Josh Miller and Seb Hopkins in the Aston Martin V8 Vantage AMR GT4, the number 23 car, which was in 14th place overall. That's second in GT4 Silver. Sharing the overall GT4 podium was Century Motorsport, Michael Johnson and Chris Salkeld. They didn't have the world's easiest race in their BMW M4 GT4. Um, but obviously they delivered, they bought the bacon home. So let's have a listen to what Chris Salkeld had to say immediately after the race. I don't know what to ask. <laughs> um, just listen to you on FaceTime to your mates there. Not the easiest of races you've ever done. No, I thought Portimao was probably going to be the hardest race I'll ever do when we got in with 78 and a bit minutes to go in that heat, but that was by far the hardest hour I think I've ever had in my life. Nigel's celebrating over, he's over the moon. Yeah, we knew, we got, MJ did a fantastic first inning, got really lucky I guess at the first the first uh, corner crash at the start, and they basically came through third, over, third overall, and then we got incredibly lucky with the safety car that basically Cottingham, who was leading at the time, basically was just behind MJ when the safety car came out. So we gained a lap on everybody. So amazing, uh, amazing news that for us. Bit of luck with the 20 second success that we carried from Portimao. Uh, and then basically I got in the car and MJ was reporting that we had a bit of a uh, throttle issues that basically the car kept cutting out at the top end. And then when I got in, it was the same, but it progressively got a bit worse. And then it, as we went further into the stint, developed a few a few more niggles in the car so hurt my hands a little bit but I'm all right so yeah and when I came out the pits I saw the whole field of GT4 behind me and I was at the front of it and I came over the radio saying Are any of these for position or are they all lapped down so they're all lapped down so after about four or five laps I thought what is this what is the point let's play the smart game take third overall take first in class and yeah so it happened to me in 21, we got lucky with the safety car then when I was with Andy Gordon and Colebrook and it was just, uh, the leader was just behind us then, so I guess lightning does strike twice for us. At the start of the season, if I said going into the Donington Decider, you'd be in it for two championships, would you believe me? No, genuinely not at all. Uh, for my third year in this sport, to be in this position, uh, it's more than I ever could have dreamed of and it's a huge testimony where we are right now for to BMW and to Century Motorsport for the incredible work they've done, not only at the circuit but away. And in well. a new car as well. Yeah, and it, it, the car's been phenomenal all year. It's an absolute awesome machine. It's a, from last year. I keep saying to everybody, it's not a, it's not an improvement. It's another league. It is a fantastic car to drive. I'm blessed and honoured to be able to drive it, and hopefully, with a bit of luck and the racing gods with us, we might be able to come away with at least one of those two next time out. And well, you're technically in for three, aren't you? Because Century's in it for the teams as well. I, I've said it from the very beginning when I first joined this team halfway through 2020 when I was doing GT4 Super Cup. It is an honour to be a part of this team. It is the best team in the paddock. It's a privilege to be here and long live Century. What benefit was it going to Dubai at the start of the year? That was probably the smartest decision we ever made to get that amount of seat time not only for me but for MJ as an AM to get used to it like you've got to remember this kid started racing last year he went to Dubai never driven on a slick tyre never driven a GT4 car never driven a left-hand drive car never driven like ABS TC any of that stuff so for the amount of seat time we did was it's phenomenal uh, and I would recommend it to any aspiring racing driver who's looking to come into GT4 or GT3 get yourself out there it is the best pre-season you can possibly do and we look forward to going back there again next year as a, as a pairing.
I look forward to cheering you on. Thank you very much. Fourth place overall and third in the GT4 silver class, Will Moore and Matt Nickel-Jones, the second Academy Motorsport Ford Mustang GT4, the number 62 car. They were in 16th place overall, ahead of a double dose of Pro-Am cars. Second in Pro-Am, so a 1-2 in the Pro-Am class, was the number 22 Century Motorsport BMW M4 GT4 of Carl Cavers and Lewis Plato. They finished ahead of James Townsend and Mike Simpson's Toro Verde GT run Janetta G56 GT4, number 86 car. Three GT4 silver cars come next. A number 17 Enduro Motorsport car for Harry George and Darren Burke. This is now the Mercedes AMG GT4. Looks really good in the OnlyFans livery, um, but had a, a an unliveried front bumper on for the race. I'm guessing they found damage after either the warm-up or one of the practice sessions. Raceway Motorsport come next, Stuart Middleton and Freddie Tomlinson, the number 56 car, Janetta G56 GT4. Uh, head of DTO Motorsport, Josh Rowledge and Aston Miller, the McLaren Arturo GT4, the number 36 car. Paddock Motorsport comes next, the number 7 um, McLaren Arturo for Kavi Jundu and Tom Rawlings. Ahead of Race Labs, Ian Goff and Tom Wrigley again. Uh, McLaren Arturo, the number 29. And then we had the number 55, Janetta for Tom Holland and Morgan Short. Morgan Short making his British GT Real World Race debut this weekend. Uh, the number 55 car, obviously a Janetta G56. And then last classified runner, welcome back to the number 68 car, the Team Brit McLaren 720, sorry, 570S GT4 of Aaron Morgan and Bobby Trundley. Now, as you can tell, we're only down to 25 and we had more cars than that on the entry. So there's a few here that didn't have the race that they were hoping for. Team Parker Racing's Zach Meekin and Dan Vaughan, they retired on lap 49 in the McLaren Arturo GT4. I've been looking for a reason why and I can't find it. I hadn't noticed that they'd hit a problem. Um, I hadn't noticed that they'd hit a problem whilst they were... Whilst I was still at the circuit, so I could go and ask them, but they retired about 35 minutes before the end of the race. Toro Verde GT, the number 80 car of Ian Duggan and Joe Wheeler, they ended up in the gravel trap. And as I walked past the back of their garage after the race, I was uh, going to speak to the drive tag guys. Um, walked past the back of their garage, and I saw the state of the amount of gravel that they were pulling out of this car. And to be honest, I thought there's got to be a better way to slow a car down, but apparently. There isn't, because half of the gravel trap was apparently in their garage. Orange Racing by JMH. Um, this one retired 48 minutes in, well, nearly 49. So this was Simon Orange behind the wheel, putting on a move around the Hawthorns Westfield area. Um, misjudged it, ended up sliding sideways into the gravel and was beached. Ram Racing, the number 15 car, the Mercedes-AMG GT3 Evo of John Ferguson, and Raffaele Marciello picked up damage in a first corner incident um, and that damage basically just finished the car off it couldn't continue but it did try for a little while it retired 50 minutes into the race another car which picked up damage in the first corner incident was the team ABBA racing Mercedes AMG GT4 this is Ed McDormand 
Ed McDermott and Michael Broadhurst in the number 12 car, which switched to Team Abra Racing for this round. Apparently, they somehow managed to puncture or damage the radiator area, um, which forced the car's retirement 35 minutes in. It was exactly one minute and 36 seconds. I can't do maths on the fly. Exactly one minute and 36 seconds after Richard Neary was putting a move on another car at Clearways. Um, seemed to come in with a little bit too much speed and ended up going off into the gravel trap at Clearways. We think he hit the barrier there, but we're not certain. Uh, haven't had a chance to speak to the team, as you can imagine. They were pretty much through packing up by the end of the race, having both cars out half an hour in. And then finally, the biggest news of the day. This is the number 90 car, um, Optimum Motorsports, McLaren Artura GT4 for Charles Clark and Jack Brown. Well, don't know what the issue was with the car, but it came in less than 10 minutes into the race. It had done six laps of the 79 laps total. Um, uh, the winner in GT4 having done 75, by the way. Um, but it done it done six laps and went into retirement, which has very much put the cat among the pigeons in the GT4 championship. We're going to go through the championships in just a moment. Um, but that's that's definitely opened up the battle there. There were quite a few penalties given out during the race. So we've already discussed the Paddock Motorsports number 11 cars penalty for um, contact, we believe, with the with the um, Toro Verde GT Ginetta. Uh, the numbers 50, 56, 67 and 93. So that's drive tack, that is the uh, Orange Racing by JMH, that is the Sky Tempesta Racing, and one of the Raceway Genettas all got a penalty for not taking note of the start instructions and instead of using the Indy circuit to get to the grid, they went around the Grand Prix circuit. So a little bit of a silly mistake to make and that all cost them drive-through penalties. We had a 10 second stop and go penalty which was served by the uh, car number 15. This is the... Um, Ram Racing Mercedes for causing a collision. Um, I don't know whether they were somehow involved in causing the first corner incident, which I haven't discussed yet. Uh, but somehow, in the first lap, Ian Loggy ended up broadside on halfway down Paddock Hill Bend and cars scattered everywhere. Because um, he was right towards the front, so the front, front two cars sort of scampered away and everybody else had to do avoidance um, which as I say definitely accounted for the number 12 Mercedes they retired as a direct result of damage picked up during that incident um, the Ram racing car was damaged during that incident as well um, so my guess here is that potentially John Ferguson tapped Ian Loggy in the rear I haven't had a chance to re-watch the replay. So my, my, my guess there is that's what happened. And therefore John Ferguson was given 
a penalty for incident responsibility. Other penalties. The number 50 car, as you heard when we spoke to the guys, um, had a bit of a boo-boo. They served their drive-through penalty for the taking the wrong layout to the grid. But during that penalty, they exceeded the pit lane speed limit. So they got another drive-through penalty for pit lane speeding. The number 7 car, Paddock Motorsport. The number 27, which is briefly escaped me. That's the Optimum Motorsport. That is um, that is the uh, Mark Radcliffe and Rob Bell car, which I don't remember mentioning during the results. Congratulations to them finishing 7th place. Um, but that car as well, the number 36, which is a DTO Motorsport machine. And the number 42, which is the Race Lab McLaren 720S GT3 Evo of Ian Campbell and James Kell. Um, those four cars all got drive-through penalties for exceeding track limits. And the number 29 car got a stop-and-go penalty. This is the Race Lab GT4. Got a stop-and-go penalty for causing a collision. Which collision? We do not know. So that is the full results page and if you want to see the full results page for yourself you can find it on tsl's website if you don't want to go searching too hard visit the brands hatch microsite on brit sc podcast.co.uk and it's linked in there does leave us with the championships to discuss so um, there's quite a few championships in british gt and quite a few of them that are still up for grabs the only one that isn't up for grabs is the GT3 Teams Trophy, which was claimed at Brands Hatch. Congratulations. Congratulations go to 2Cs Motorsport and their Mercedes AMG GT3s, who now have an unassailable lead of 132.5 points over Century Motorsport, the next closest team. Now, this just shows how strong Century Motorsport's season have been because Sentry is a one-car team, and Barwell Motorsport are a two-car team, and they are further behind in the points. So just a, an astonishing run from Sentry. But the 2 Seas Motorsport crew can't be caught now, and they are 2023's first British GT confirmed champions. In the the one that everybody looks at, the most important one of the lot, GT3 Drivers' Championship. Johnny, Adam and James Cottingham had a very, very slim chance of sealing the title at Brands Hatch. They had... I mean, they qualified in the right place for it. They qualified on pole. But they had a 20-second compensation time to serve in the pit lane because they won in Portimao. It was going to make it a mountain that was pretty much impossible to climb. But uh, they've kept... Oh dear. They kept their, their noses pretty much clear. Bought home 22.5 points for finishing in third place, which um, means that the BMW, the Sentry car, Darren Young and Dan Harper, whilst they improved their position, didn't manage to catch or overhaul. There's now 13 points between the number four and the number 91 going into the final round. And, of course... The things that made it harder for James Cottingham and Johnny Adam at Brands Hatch now work against the Sentry car. So Darren Lung and 
Dan Harper will have to serve that 20 seconds of success penalty, whereas the number four car will only have to serve 10 seconds. And the other thing, which may come in handy for the Two Seas Motorsport crew, is that they have a second bullet in the gun. The This, this is going to be quite important, I think, because Ian Loggie and Jules Gounon are now statistically out of the title fight. They're five points too far behind to have a chance of winning. So the number one car could potentially almost run interference for the number four and, and, and give them a little bit of help. Um, it'd be quite interesting to watch. But the GT3 Drivers' Championship is down to two runners and they're 13 points apart. In the GT3 Pro-Am Cup, it is the same two contenders, but the points differential is greater. Uh, James Cottingham, Johnny Adam, obviously lead. They have uh, 170.5 points. Ahead of 149 points, Darren Young and Dan Harper for Century Motorsport. It's a 21.5 point deficit, and the same considerations as for previous championship apply here including the fact that Ian Loggie and Jules Gounon are statistically only just out of it in third place well third and fourth because um, uh, Jules Gounon hasn't done all the rounds Phil Keane did one round for for the number one car which was Portimao where the duo picked up 12 points so Jules Gounon is 12 points behind his co-driver in the GT3 Drivers' Championship for Silver Cup, we've got even more of a battle here. 37.5 points available, and there are three cars within that 37.5 point window. In fact, the first one outside the window is the number 50 car, which won the class at Brands Hatch. And then the number uh, number 8 um, team member racing Mercedes of Richard and Sam Neary are also out of contention they are 124 points short and there's no way you can make up 124 points in one race those that have a chance then the slimmest of chances for the number 42 car ian campbell and james kell from race lab they sit 34 and a half points off the 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 leading total in the class with mark samson and will tregertha in second place in the barbell lamborghini they're 9.5 points short of the Sky Tempesta racing crew of Chris Frogger and Kevin Say, the number 93 car. So looking at this, it's going to be a pretty good fight between the McLaren and the Lamborghini, the Sky Tempesta McLaren and the Lamborghini. For Ian Campbell and James Kell to win, basically they need... Yeah, they basically need... Kevin Say, Chris Frogger, Mark Samson and Will Tregertha to finish in 10th or 9th. And given that there's only five entries in the class, that's impossible. So either the 93 and the 72 take themselves out of the first corner or Ian Campbell and James Kell are their best hope is becoming bridesmaid rather than bride. That is the GT3 titles all discussed. So let's move on to the GT4. And I'm going to skip the one that people always look for uh, in GT4 and come back to it because that's the one where there's lots to talk about. In 
So let's start off with the GT4 AM Cup, which probably won't be awarded because there's only three rounds that have been contested by Ian Duggan and James Townsend, and they were running on their own. If it is awarded at the end of the year, congratulations to the number 86, Todoverde GT of Ian Duggan and James Townsend because they won it, because they were the only people entered into it. Let's take a look then at the GT4 Drivers' Championship in Silver Cup. And this one has got a little bit spicier because Eric Evans and Matt Cowley won the class in in Brands Hatch, which gave them a decent haul of points. Um, in fact, it gave them 37 and a half. And Jack Brown and Charles Clark, who were leading the fight, didn't score in Brands Hatch at all. So really, if... If the optimum car, the number 90, had managed to bring any points home at Brands Hatch, it would be almost a done deal in in Silver Cup already. But they didn't, which means that there's a 28.5 gap. 28.5 uh, point gap between Eric Evans and Matt Cowley and Jack Brown and Charles Clark. So... We are kind of at the point because there's 27 points for second place where only a win will do for the academy guys. And really, we need the number 90 car to, to not score if Academy Motorsport are to pick up the Silver Cup trophy. In the GT4 Drivers Pro-Am Cup, we have leaders in the number 14 Century Motorsport BMW. This is... Michael Johnson and Chris Salkeld. Uh, they're on 185 points. On 152 behind them, Carl Cavers and Lewis Plato. 33 points behind. Also, Century Motorsport BMW. And then, again, longest of long shots, uh, the number 29 car, the Race Lab McLaren, Ian Goff and Tom Wrigley. Statistically, do have a chance at claiming the title, but... Everything needs to go wrong for the two Century Motorsport cars and everything needs to go right for the race lab entry. So unlikely to happen. First car off the um, out of championship contention here, the number four, Edward Dermott, Michael Broadhurst, team number racing Mercedes. They are 64.5 points adrift and you can't make that up in a single race. That leaves us the big one, and I'm going to need to take a breath before we talk about this, because Sarah suggested having doing just quick mental mass whilst covering a race. Um, Sarah suggested that there might be three cars in contention for the GT4 driver's overall title. Again, there are some serious long shots in here, so I'm not expecting the other cars to actually have a chance at this but what by my maths which is actually the score the timing and scoring maths by my maths we have six cars in contention for the championship so the first car which isn't in contention is the number 23 car they're in seventh place in the championship this is josh miller and Seb Hopkins for our racing in the Aston Martin. Although they've had a good, strong season. They've had some, some decent results. and Well, they're one second place when you look at the points. But 
they've certainly risen to attention a lot more. Um, perhaps they've been better on Saturday. Um, but yeah, the, the, the numbers just aren't there for them. Looking at the, the cars that are in contention, it was statistically possible for Jack Brown and Charles Clark to clinch the title at Brands Hatch. They were that far ahead. Um, they only needed to score a couple of points. They had a 33-point lead, I think it was, something like that, before before Brands Hatch. So they needed to, to score four and a half points to secure the title. Obviously, they didn't score at all, which let everybody else catch up, which means that Michael Johnson and Chris Salkeld are now 10.5 points off in second place in the BMW. The Eric Evans and Matt Cowley, 16.5 points off in their Academy Motorsport Ford Mustang. Then we get to the long shots because Ian Goff and Tom Wrigley's race lab car, the McLaren, the number 29, sits 34 points off. And then in basically joint fifth place in the championship, we have Josh Rowledge and Aston Miller, the DTR Motorsport McLaren, and Carl Cavers and Lewis Plato in the second Century Motorsport BMW. They are tied four points. So the way that they resolve this, this um, log tie at the end if both cars don't score, is that they will take the fact that both cars have finished third. Um, the DTA Motorsport car finished third in Portimao, and the Century Motorsport BMW finished third in Donington Park at the first visit there. They'll then look at the next score down, which will be for fourth place. Fourth place has been achieved twice by the DTO car and not yet by the Century Motorsport. So by virtue of the fact that the 36 car has finished fourth twice and the best that the 22 car could hope is to finish fourth once um, in terms of matching that number. Of course, the best they can hope for is to win the race in October. Um, but that's how they will resolve that because they just keep looking down the order until they find one position where one car's finished more often than the other. Um, so that's how that would be resolved. Up at the top, it's going to be quite exciting because if we think about it, the margin is 16.5 points between first and third place. So if the number 61 car wins the race, the number 90 has to come third to keep its championship alive. If the... If the uh, number ninety, uh, sorry, the number sixty-one wins the race, the number fourteen has to come second to keep its championship hopes alive, etc., etc. I'm going to be doing more maths on this over the next month, um, so we'll get a bit more for you. But this one is going to be the exciting one and the one where we all look at each other at the end of Donington Park when the dust, probably from the gravel trap at uh, the Melbourne Loop, but when the dust is settling and go, what did we just see and who the heck won? Because that's just the way. A Donington Decider goes. We have a Donington Decider on our hands, people. I'm excited. I thought I thought it was going to be all over. But we've still got a fight going into the final round. Where we will, of course, have two more From the Racetrack episodes for you for this season. One for Saturday and one in a dizzying mental haze of the Championship all being over on the Sunday. I look forward to speaking to you then. I look forward to speaking to you in between with the main show um, but for now keep yourself safe and keep enjoying your racing
Thanks for listening to the British Sports Car Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on socials at BritSC Podcast. This podcast is a Storm Vixen created production in conjunction with RPS Driven Media.